Hello there, and welcome. Welcome to The Backhanders, the podcast that brings you all the ins and the outs from the great game of tennis. Here on this podcast, we cover each tennis slam and unafraid to slam tennis. And with me, a man with an incredible parallel with Rafael Nadal, someone who was also told he'd never make it to 21, uh, perhaps even a hope of some of his ex-girlfriends, and yet he is here with me to tell the tale. Catters, catters, welcome. Lightning, great to be with you. What a freaking fortnight of tennis we have had. It might be the fumes I've been sucking in from the exhaust of Nick Kyrgios's Lamborghini that he continues to ride around my house in a victory parade, but I am happy with what I have seen recently. And it's quite apt that you mention Rafa in the intro, Lightning, Mm. because I have been inspired. You know, some people grow up idolizing pop stars and politicians and other idiots that don't matter in life. But I have found my calling, and that is that as an ably challenged man myself, I can relate to the fact that Rafa only four weeks ago was on crutches. Yes. And as you know, Lightning, following our VIP privileges, I tossed said crutches into the Yarra on our way out of Melbourne Park and decided to walk again. And I am now, according to Rafa's strict regimen, only two weeks away from making my elite sporting appearance. So I've lined up the Winter Olympics. I think that's probably the most obvious. So between helpings of bathead soup, I will be making my way onto the curling arena and tossing some rocks. I can't wait, Lightning. I'm pumped. I was so enamored with Rafa's performance the other night. I had a few too many bevies and went out and got myself a tattoo, a sleeve. I actually got Rafa's giant bicep on his left arm tattooed onto mine, which is not really achieved the desired effect but i'm pumped and i will not be forgetting what that performance did to me lightning you are as pumped as rafa nadal's biceps and uh (laughs) it is absolutely the only response allowed at this time that is after we saw a five hour and 25 minute battle in which he took out medvedev in one of the greatest matches of all time it's the second longest match in australian open history and he cutters has now become the first man to get to 21 grand slams at the tender age of 35 i mean as you said, Kat, as two months ago on crutches, he suffered heat stroke only two rounds ago and he'd lost four kilograms. He had frickin' COVID in December. He has just lined up every ailment possible and conquered each one of them and then conquered the devil himself in the final. So, I mean, Kat, we just cannot speak highly enough of this man. Absolutely lightning. And you mentioned the second longest final of all time, Mm. the longest being when he got outlasted by Novak in Mm. 2012 in that 22-hour marathon (laughs) that that aged Rod Laver by 20 years, which they said wasn't even possible. (laughs) It was the match they took to the car park afterwards to continue the battle. So many televisions exploded during the fifth set just out of fatigue that it sparked bushfires across a nation. And I think we should take a pause. But Lightning, that was yet another final where Rafa was beaten. Let's look at his history at this tournament. He has been beaten more badly than a redheaded stepchild. Which reminds me, great to see Mark Woodford 
appearing last weekend. It was great to see a champion on stage there. And Rafa's ability to rebound was just remarkable. But let's put it in perspective, Lightning. Let's not get ahead of ourselves, says the man who got multiple goat tattoos last night in a drunken haze. Let's remind ourselves that there is a giant asterisk next to this performance, Mm. Lightning. It's 21 with a huge star. And that huge star was deported only 14 days earlier and sent back to Serbia. And his name is Novak Djokovic. Mm. And him not being in the tournament really taints it for me, Lightning. If you look at the lineup, I mean, you've got a guy like Berrettini. Small hats, making a semi-final. A mere spaghetti speed hump on your road to number 21. So I don't think we can take this tournament too seriously. Wow, you you really think that Novak's absence casts a bit of a shadow that actually takes some of the gloss off this feat? Absolutely lightning. I would put this alongside Rafa's 13 French Open victories, if I'm honest. (laughs) It wasn't played on the devil's dirt, but we saw the devil turn to dirt before our eyes in the final three sets. So it's same, same, but different. It does throw into question whether this should be even counted as a slam lightning or should it be counted as a Davis Cup, which we all agree is a cup worthy only for containing my urine late in the night when I can't reach the dunny. Davis, can you empty out your cup again, please? (laughs) The Davis bedpan has been the apex for our more senior players for quite some time, Lightning. So I hope you will give it the respect it deserves. But I mentioned Novak Lightning only because it hasn't been a great couple of weeks for that man. I mean, getting deported, never fun. I've tried it myself. And then bookended by the fact that Rafa takes home the freaking trophy and marks his 21st Grand Slam, overtaking the greats, Novak and Roger, along his way. You and I were texting back and forth during the final. It was clear to me that sitting in the front row, I thought I would flicked over accidentally to Weekend at Bernie's, but no, it was Rod Laver who had clearly died at some point in the second round, (laughs) midway through the first week. And having said that, Rod Laver himself had a better fortnight than Novak Djokovic. (laughs) Can we let the man die in peace or at least fire him out of a cannon to find my crutches at the bottom of the Yarra? God have mercy on his soul. And let's just... Move ahead, because I don't like the dead eyes that that guy's giving me when I'm trying to watch a match at 1am. He's like a zombie who's haunting me. Yeah, And what a fitting way to send the rocket off, just to put him in a cannon and send him down the arrow. So great call, Cutters. Great call. But of course, you mentioned the fact that for Novak, there was one bloke in that entire tournament that he did not want to win. And it was Nadal, mm. being the first man now to get to 21. Cutters, what does this mean about the whole GOAT conversation? H- has it changed the landscape somewhat? Well, I'm in two minds there, Lightning, to be honest, because on one hand, chump tournament shouldn't have had the credentials of a slam. But on the other hand, the man who won it single-handedly um, 
And I say single-handedly because that's the only operating limb he actually has at the moment. <laughs> has thrown so many obstacles, both physical and mental, in his way yes. to try and up the ante and essentially add to his goat resume. Ah, So your raid cutters is the race is getting so heated up, it's so pointed that it's not merely enough to just get one more, to get to 21, you've actually got to have some kind of narrative and story. We've got to be talking more than just the numbers of slams. Yes, absolutely, Lightning. No longer is a single slam anything noteworthy. And it's no coincidence that since Sophia Kennan won the Australian (laughs) Open as the unofficial Olsen triplet, no one respects a slam anymore. Suddenly, Sasha Zverev is going for a slam against Dominic Thiem in what can only be described as outtakes from... Jackass 3. So what we're seeing now is a bunch of high-achieving marathon runners who've realized, hang on a second, any chump can run a marathon. We need to go do Ironmans. And so what Nadal has done here is he's elevated the conversation. Mm. I'll hand it over to you, Lightning. Give us some of his ailments. It is unbelievable what he's overcome in terms of adversity. Well, that's what's so crazy. We're talking about a degenerative bone disease in his left foot that almost had him retire two months ago when he was on crutches. We're talking about COVID one month ago. We're talking about heat stroke and loss of four kilograms two rounds ago. We're talking about the demons haunting him of having being up in the fifth set, serving for it and fluffing it twice before and the same thing happening again here. Totally lightning. I mean, the fact that he's only ever won the tournament once was for me an unbelievable stat because I saw the 09 on his shoe that they had printed from Nike. And I figured that was just marking the nine operations he'd had on that particular foot because the surgeons have lost count. Little did I realize it came out today, Lightning. It represented that he's actually nine months pregnant. He has gone all in on proving the haters wrong. He was worried that Serena would still be part of this GOAT conversation. So he's gone, screw it. I've got nothing in my head. I'm just really excited and I want to hug the whole stadium. Cutters, we have just seen an Australian Open. We have just been to the Australian Open together in the same country, in the same place, and we have witnessed a bevy of things to be pumped and passionate, to be juiced up on, and I'm so keen to hear, in this Open, what particularly has got you roided up? (laughs) Good choice of words, Lightning. I'm excited about another male tennis player, and not to the same extent that I would get two or three tattoos that I will then laser off later in the year, but still excited, and that is Daniil Medvedev. Lightning, this man has not laid a foot wrong. The Russian soldier has arrived on our territory and done nothing but win, both on and off the court. As his unofficial PR manager, Lightning, I cannot even begin to think of one moment where he's laid a foot wrong. From press conferences to on-court antics, which, let's face it, the fans love his boyish charm, Lightning, and then letting his racket do the work... No unnecessary snide comments. Daniil, if you're listening, and I'm sure you are, you have not left empty-handed, my friend. You should leave our beloved country knowing that you have captured our hearts like the former nation of the Ukraine. Cat, <laughs> as I, I must say, I'm a little 
surprised as a PR man, quite capable of reading the room quite well. You're not concerned about some of the ways he came across, about some of his behaviour. I noticed that he was mouthing the word boring during the presentation ceremony, even at the bit where they were specifically pumping him up. <laughs> Look, Lightning, I too was bored. I think he was just calling out what everyone around Australia was feeling at that time. She was into about her third minute. And let's face it, after a five and a half hour battle, you need to be like the morbidly obese Kia man, say six words, get off, know your role. And instead... What he was doing was actually giving a shout out to the hearing impaired community that had been grossly (laughs) underrepresented for the other 14 days of that tournament. So hats off to you, inclusive Daniel. Well, point taken. However, it wasn't the first time we heard him use the word boring earlier in the tournament when playing against American Cressy, the great up and coming servant volleyer who was really pushing him. We heard him yell at the absolute top of his lungs, this is boring (laughs) mid-match. Is is that not in any way disrespectful or lightning? I have no problem with that. If the listeners could look around my lounge room here and see the heads I've had mounted on my wall, like deer and bison, you've got Tim Henman, Patrick Rafter. These are extinct animals, Lightning. We shot the last servant volleyer over 10 years ago. (laughs) This rogue wildebeest needs to be called out. (laughs) Okay, okay, I suppose. I look forward to a Cressy head in your... uh... (laughs) Recording studio very soon. I do like the fact, though, that Medvedev managed to put an apple in his mouth when they were shaking hands (laughs) at the end of the match. It makes my life a hell of a lot easier as I prepare the glaze. Fair call, fair call. But I think to other stories, Cutters, when he described the fans as having low IQ, when he almost booed the fans (laughs) back at them and told them they were disrespecting him and the great Jim Courier and held a standoff on centre court. But my favourite moment, Cutters, that made me feel like he'd just gone a little loose was when he entered a screaming match with the umpire yelling at him, look at me, look at me, and there's escalating any louder and fiercer and spit flying. And you can just see at that moment, Cutters, What is coming next? Where is this escalation going? And of course, you can see in his face, all options are on the table at that point. He's thinking, do I go racist? Do I go homophobic? Do I take down his career choice as a glorified baby in a high chair? Do what? what, It's all there for the taking. And what does he say, Catters? You, you are a small cat. (laughs) Was the line. Of Daniil Medvedev to the umpire. The small cat. Lightning, he's a victim of his own extreme intellect. Like you said, he has so many options right in front of him. And only a genius (laughs) would play the small cat, Lightning. There's so many times I wish I had the foresight to say that. In fact, I'd like to take this opportunity to call a few of my ex-girlfriends small cats. I don't know what the collective is. Oh, and I must confess, Gattis, there has been many a time when I have been 
very tempted in my vitriol to want to describe you as small catters. So I, I, I do feel where he's coming from in that instance. One thing I would take offence to, and that is where I felt Daniil crossed the line. Everything else, like I said, Lightning, absolutely kosher. Nothing that we haven't seen before at one of the 25 WrestleManias over the years. But this <laughs> insistence he had to change the approach of the ball kids so that they would have an even amount of balls available to him yes. before serving. Yes. I took great umbrage to Because as you know, Lightning, I'm a fan of tradition. Yes. And hmm. these ball kids have been carefully selected, so carefully that chumps like you never made it through the early rounds. <laughs> and then trained carefully along a very specific system, process that has been in place for generations. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think if you look back in the Old Testament, the way that manna was distributed to the Israelites <laughs> was a similar approach. So, Daniil, shame on you for just questioning the integrity of our, of our billboys. <laughs> Thank you, Catters. An important voice of advocacy. I would probably add a final story, Catters, and that's the surprising lack of reading the room in an on-court interview when they said, how did you get yourself out of that hole? And he responded, not, well, I used the six construction workers, ball boys around me to help <laughs> dig myself out. His response was to say, I ask, what would Novak do? <laughs> and I couldn't help but feel it's not the best time to be asking that exact question. There probably is only one slightly worse answer, what would Putin do? But that's a close <laughs> second out of close to 8 billion people. I mean, he didn't quite read the room well. Yeah, he didn't read the globe well at that point, <laughs> it's fair to say. It is. And it's funny that he mentions Novak because he is Novak the second. I mean, you think about yes. all of his behavior... Everything he does on and off court resembles Novak entirely. Yes. And he's surprised that we are not, as a public, enamored I know. with the sequel that we never asked for. Daniil, <laughs> you you are the I still know what you did last summer of tennis. <laughs> Lightning, what are you excited about? Catters, it goes without saying. You and I, around that tender age of 40 in our entire lives, have not seen a man or a woman take out our home slam, mm. take out the Australian Open until Ash Barty has come along and done just that. I mean, we have seen a history of Aussie battlers giving it a crack. Pat Cash getting so close and Hewitt and Rafter and, and other triers. Uh, Wally Masua was in there and, uh, and Fromberg and Stoltenberg made up the numbers. You know, th there's triers, but Catters, we've never honestly had anyone in recent time get anywhere near it. And yet Catters, Ash Barty has become the first Australian since 1978 when... Everyone's favourite sports trivia bogey quiz woman, Chris <laughs> O'Neill, took out the 1978 Open. And now, Catters, she has come from 1-5 down in the second set to win 6-3, 7-6, and take out the flippin' Australian Open. She, Catters, didn't only just take out the Open, she did it in style. She got to the final having lost only 21 games. Only Serena and Venus Williams have ever conceded fewer games en route to a final. She spent 453 minutes on court only 
in her seven matches. Witch Catters means she, after pocketing 2.8 million bucks, she earned $6,346 per minute or just under $381,000 an hour for her efforts. Catters, she's now won 22 consecutive sets. She's now won 12 of her past 14 finals, including her last four straight. This woman has now won slams on all three of the major surfaces, joining her buddies, Serena, Roger, Rafa, and Novak as the only other active players to achieve this. She's in rare air cutters. She is absolutely incredible. She is our Ash Barty. She is indeed lightning, and I'm a huge fan. We have always been fans of female Aussie tennis players trying to swing a racket, most without success, but to see one who can make contact with a ball, let alone inside those lines, is just warming to the heart. My only problem with this lightning, and I do have a problem with it, is it was too easy. Really? Absolutely. It was pedestrian at best. Her run seemed quite easy. In fact, it probably would have only been easier had she faced Berrettini in the semifinal. But (laughs) she glided her way through to the trophy and it just feels a little bit hollow. Mm. I don't think I'm alone in saying that. I think she would cop to it as well, saying that it just feels shallow. And (laughs) Ash, I totally understand what you're saying. It's how I felt when I found out that I would not be able to represent Denmark in the curling, but instead would have to come back and play with a bunch of Australian ex-bobsled races. And (laughs) it's not ideal. Sometimes... When life gives you a lemon, you will win a chump slam for which you receive no respect. And that is a quote that I've had hanging above my dunny for many a year now uh, as an inspiration every morning. But I would say that she did one thing right, and that was handle the pressure. I don't know if you can relate to that, Lightning. When was the last time that you featured so heavily on billboards all across Australia? Except for that Crime Stoppers campaign. <laughs> and I deeply regret defacing that Sam Stozer statue at the Australian Open. <laughs> Lightning, you wanted to replace her with a real tennis player. It was an admirable intent. And I wish the court had seen it that way. But I don't think you appreciate how much focus has been on this woman for the past fortnight. You mm. probably do, because you too have watched... Her match is live and seen in the ad break where she is literally featured in every single commercial from car rental to dishwashing detergent to having your loved one's ashes put in an urn. I mean, the pun works, but is it really on brand? I don't know. She's just been all over the joint. And some would say that it was bordering on arrogant lightning, but the fact that she had commercials running after each victory where she was actually offering coaching lessons to the opponent she'd just defeated was just a stroke of genius for mine. 1-800-ASH-FOR-CASH. She couldn't have made it more simple for these 20-odd ranked chumps who she's going to be beating regularly, both on and off the court, for the rest of the year. Are you a mid-range ranked American (laughs) tennis player with nothing but a forehand... What you need is is to become a little more like me. And that is, unfortunately, vanilla lightning. She's great. She gets the job done. She's a clean skin. 
She doesn't rant and rave. And if you ask me, what we should do is we should find an edge to her and we should incorporate that uh, almost as a handicap uh, in order to ensure that she can't just keep racing through her matches, racing through her press conferences unscathed. Yes. So it's too easy. She needs a challenge. Yeah. It's got to be more complicated. It's weight for age in horse racing. She's got to be handicapped in some way. So what are you suggesting, Catters? What would you do to Ash Barty to bring her back to the pack? Well, this is the problem, Lightning. She was born with the world's biggest handicap, and that was being an Australian woman with ambitions to play <laughs> tennis. But she's overcome that. So we are in unknown territory, Lightning. The only thing that struck my mind was that perhaps with this whole ordeal around Itsy Sitsy's father giving him advice Good. during each of his matches, unwanted advice, if you ask Stephanos himself, yes. perhaps we can burden Ash with Itsy Sitsy's father <laughs> as her coach, her personal coach, not only on court, but her life coach, <laughs> just following her around the streets. He will be strapped to her back like Master Blaster in Mad Max Thunderdome. I'll give you the racket and we'll no, see, how many no. times, see how many times you can return yourself also. Okay, you're, you're a professional tennis player. I'm not. Okay. Cutters, it is now time for Fed Up and Poo Down and an important segment to look at this tournament as a whole and see who is going to become potentially the next GOAT. Who's going to go 21, 22, 25, 27? Blow them out of the water. Who's up and coming? Who's the next Fed? And who is poo-pooing down like Mark, the poo Philippusis, and he's serving coaching tips and cutters with all the talk of this Open. It's been Nadal, it's been Barty, but beyond that, it's been the special case. Mm. And I've been surprised that the special case has received that much of a pump up this tournament. Mm. But for me, of course, I refer to none other than Kaikanepi, <laughs> the special case. I mean, what an astounding feat she has achieved in this Open. She has reached... A quarterfinal now at every single major at the age of 36. So this Estonian, uh, the great stoner from Estonia, has just <laughs> taken to greater heights. She took out Sabalenka, world number two, basically gave Barty the cup by taking out her next greatest threat. Uh, she also took out Angelique Kerber early in the tournament. She almost took out Iga Svantec. She was on an absolute run. So she cut his was an astounding story of success in this tournament. And Katis, in order to take out the misfiring cannon, she had to take her all the way to a super, super tie break. break. <laughs> exactly. And of course, Katis, a great moment when she forgot the rules of the said <laughs> super tie break. And uh, unfortunately, due to the pressure of the moment, began celebrating when she'd won her ninth point. And unfortunately, started the dance a little bit early. Uh, <laughs> thankfully, she got the job done and took out Sabalenka. So for me, Cutters, my fed up. That's a worthy one, Lightning. And I guess I don't have to point out the obvious irony by stating the fact that in her match against Sabalenka, they had to leave the court because they were being attacked by a flock of seagulls <laughs> on Margaret Court Arena, which didn't have any coverage. So you had Canopy... Fleeing the court, saying she had nothing to hide under, which I just think was a stroke of genius. It was. And a wonderful metaphor because Sabalenka was shouting all over the court as well with 14 <laughs> double faults. So all in all, it was life imitating art. 
Catters, uh, I want to sneak in another very important fed up. Dylan Alcott. This is a man going for his eighth Australian Open. A man who just did what no other male tennis player has done. And last year took out the Golden Slam and chugged a beer out of his Grand Slam Cup. I mean, this guy has done it all, but this was to be his final tournament. Between his semi-final and his final cutters, as if dealing with the pressure and the warming up and the cooling down wasn't enough, this quad wheelchair champion was plucked up and taken to Canberra and crowned Australian of the Year. Made, of course, to do all the formalities and celebrations and speeches, and then taken back and made to try and beat the number two in the world, quad wheelchair specialist, only to fall short in the final. I mean, what an incredible man. But Catters, you can't help but feel when you're trying to reach the pinnacle of your sport (laughs) and you're plucked out of it to be given an award that perhaps you're somehow hindered in your pursuit of what you're probably most focused on. Lightning, you keep using the word plucked out. Are you insinuating some sort of Prime Minister ScoMo magnet dragging his wheelchair (laughs) across the border into the world's most boring city the night before his freaking finale of his career? There's no doubt it was against his will. I mean, it's like caravans the way they used to be stolen from caravan parks, just hitched up in the night and, and driven away. That He had no concept. He just found himself up the highway, middle of the night, and then in Canberra the next day. Bad result. However, you got to think he had a hunch when he arrived and they had this gold-plated ramp installed leading up to the stage where one would receive the trophy. It's either a showman who he's up against who invented the Segway or the man himself. Well, you'd want to get there, see the ramp, and think, I'd better bloody be given this award. (laughs) Otherwise, if he's sitting there and Carl Stefanovic's given it, and he has to then trudge back and try and play a Grand Slam final, I too would be spewing. For those listeners overseas, Carl Stefanovic is our second-ranked wheelchair quad Australian (laughs) men's tennis player. Lightning, you made a reference to Arena Sabalenka crapping all over the court, but do you have another poo down? (laughs) Well, Cutters, my poo down is obviously the attitude of the next gen, Mm. who we have been talking about for multiple generations now. (laughs) And this, Cutters, was surely the slam to make your mark. They're deporting the Joker. They're crippling the Fed. They are coveting the Nadal, and this was their prime chance. And this is how they behaved. Shapovalov, who was putting up a monumental fight against Rafael Nadal, really stamping his authority in the game and saying, I've arrived. Nadal stepping up to the service line, serving pretty close to the shot clock, and Shapovdog marches to the umpire and accuses him, having not penalized him, of being corrupt. A huge claim. And Cutters, we have all said things in the heat of battle that we regret. Mm. And so you can't blame a bloke for the kind of tirades that come out when you're putting everything on the line. So surely come a press conference, you've had your ice bath, you've cooled down, things look a little bit calmer. When asked again, Shapovdog, no, 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 he's corrupt. Yeah, yeah. No, Nadal gets preferential treatment, 100%. Yeah, ab- absolutely goes again. So some players, Catters, they would look someone in the heat of the battle in the eye and say, I will burn down the village in which you were born. 
but not many get to the press conference and say, yeah, no, nah, still going to burn it down. In fact, heading there now with a fire crew. Uh, he was an absolute petulant child. The Shapov dog cutters, Dennis, the menace, the next gen have gone to the Shapov dogs. So that's next gen number one. Mm. Next gen number two cutters, Tsitsipas, oh. who... Kat, as you referred to it earlier, the coaching of his old man, relentless. His line in press, when asked about all the coaching, he says, oh, yeah, he's coaching the whole time. I'm just not listening. <laughs> Therefore, somehow excusing the coaching, it got to fever pitch cutters in one match against the Medvedevil, who actually asked for a stealth, an insurgent police officer to be planted near the coaching box of Tsitsipas. So standing under the archway was a Greek-speaking official, ear-inclined, to detect whether there was any coaching going on. Have you ever seen anything like this, Cutters? Yeah, Lightning, it was truly extraordinary because we haven't seen anything like this before. Usually, the coaching takes place in English, so we know whether it's happening or not, and the umpire is quick to get on it. But you had this eruption from Medvedev, again, in great taste with the best of intentions, sugar-coated, if you ask me, a little too much, sickly sweet. But on the other hand, we had this CSI Melbourne taking place where the sting operation was in place and they'd put a plant down in the bunker who was a chair umpire from the previous Nadal match who happened to speak Greek. So she cut short her viewing of Mamma Mia 2 and came back in to stand in the walkway. And then you had Stefanos's dad still barking out orders. You had what I thought was Rod Laver with an earpiece commenting to someone else on a walkie-talkie when, in fact, he was just asking anybody around him to throw him in the river. Just anyone. <laughs> so what surprised me the most was that Itsy Sitsy Sr. was actually talking for a long period before she was able to bust him for actually coaching. Yes. I think it was about one set worth of action whereby... Itsy Sitsy Senior is just barking stuff out, but the woman fluent in Greek didn't think any of it constituted coaching. So my question is, what is he talking about this entire time? Because he did not shut up. I'm not a fay with the Greek tradition. I know that they're close families. Is he just giving updates from his Facebook feed? Ah, your great auntie Maria has just had another granddaughter. Oh, Agnes is engaged to Stavros. And then once he's recited the entire family tree, he moves on to cooking instructions. Don't forget to add a little extra salt to your tzatziki. And what the heck else could he be possibly... Was he Googling better hairstyle options saying, you look like a damn hippie. Look, this young guy, Zac Efron, he has a good cut. It can't have been helpful, whatever the hell he was doing for around about 30 minutes before he got on to the more serious matter of try hitting your forehand in court. Before he got on to, now's the time for the eight-minute toilet breaks. It's a pass. <laughs> Oh, I thought you said I was playing shit. Okay. <laughs> well said, Kat, as well. Who is your fed up in this 2022 Australian Open? Well, isn't it obvious, Lightning? Did you ever think that we would see the day where the backhanders could announce that St. Nick is a Grand Slam champion? <laughs> Talk about burying the lead. It's taken us... 
about an hour, well, once I've edited down the content to the good stuff, about 12 and a half minutes to get to the point where we tell the listeners that St. Nicholas has his name engraved upon a piece of silverware that is not a plaque in a juvenile jail. So this is just utterly mind-blowing lightning. Totally. I mean, there are some things that we're not conditioned to think would ever happen. And I am happy to announce that it came in the form of doubles. Doubles lightning. Doubles. A form of tennis that we recently discovered. For myself, it was as recently as last week. And I'm a huge fan of having four people on court. You get different hairstyles that you saw in the final. It was Nick Kyrgios and Kokonakis against Random Australian One and the Honey Badger. And it just looked right. When's the last time we cared about doubles lightning? It was probably the Woodies. And I never really fell in love with them. I mean, you had the Winger and the Ginger. Todd, who couldn't ever accept a line call. And Mark Woodford, who refused to dye his hair to a natural color that wouldn't burn out the pixels on my old television box. So this is a new breed of doubles that I can get behind lightning. And I just put it down to the genius that is Nick Kyrgios. He plays... A lot of computer games at night. He has berated himself multiple times on court about playing FIFA into the wee hours of the morning. Uh, I mentioned Wii. During one of his matches of doubles this week, he decided it would be funny when he was receiving to move like the Wii player (laughs) on the Nintendo (laughs) to try and distract his opponents. It obviously worked. And with all of this gaming knowledge lightning, he's harnessed this in finding a hack for reality. Yes. And the hack is they're giving doubles trophies away. <laughs> so all this time, he's been pursuing a course that, let's face it, was completely incongruous with the man himself. One that required discipline, that required stickability, that required integrity, honesty, <laughs> diligence. But instead, he's chosen the easy route grab a mate, grab rackets, enter in the draw, <laughs> grab yourself a trophy, boom. <sighs> And for my poo down lightning, unfortunately, I have to walk away from my new favorite sport of doubles back to the arena of singles to talk about a serious issue. And that is the fact that we have experienced yet again the decline of the United States of America. This American empire lightning that both you and I grew up in the shadow of thinking all the time, this must be the best place on earth. It's produced... Michael Jordan and Baywatch and Donald Trump. I mean, what more could we want from a land? Well, I can tell you now, we want women who can swing a racket for more than two sets, and we ain't getting it. Whatever their college system is doing, it's clearly producing great exponents of the beer bong, but not the tennis racket. And this is a problem, because Ash Barty has wiped through four of these... Yankee castaways, Amanda Anisimova, Jessica Pagula, Madison Keys, and Danielle Collins. Danielle Collins, Lightning, whose name suggests she's made a successful transition from adult romance author (laughs) to hardcourt. Not that successful if you saw the final, but she tried. But these women are coming up short. Lightning, if I wanted to see four... Barbie dolls melt in the hot Australian sun, I would have gone into my niece's room with a magnifying glass on one of those 30-odd degree days this week. I did not need to tune in to see our Ash 
turn up the heat on these ladies. They are rubbish and they need to become a cautionary tale for the others. They are the awesome foursome of disappointment. I'm actually pledging at the moment on Kickstarter that our fans go in and chip in money so that we can build somewhere near Rod Laver Arena. We erect a small Mount Rushmore of underperformance <laughs> dedicated to these four ladies where we chisel out their faces and remind people what mediocrity looks like. A lasting legacy, if you will. And Lightning, some people would say, Cadders, a 40-foot monument. That might be an overreaction. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is that these very four women have also crapped the collective bed on clay against our ash only a year earlier. Yes. Lightning, these exact four opponents, Yankee A, Yankee B, Yankee C, Yankee D, all screwed up against Ash on the Devil's Dirt last French Open, whilst Ash was bulldozing her way to success. So you would have thought that would have taught them something, yes. but no. So Lightning, I'm at my wit's end, really, because it's not like they haven't had access to resources. They come from a privileged nation, with wonderful administration that we've seen over the previous years. They've had a bevy of opportunities through the college system. They have Dr. Freaking Fritz on their side. <laughs> Dr. Fritz. I think they're saying Sue, which is a soccer thing, a football thing. Sorry, I can't hear you. I'll try it again. I I, guys, I can't hear him. Please uh, uh, show some respect for Jim Courier. He no, won't no, hear you guys. Okay. Thank you. Cutters, all good things must come to an end, and indeed all grand things and the grandest of slams. The Australian Open 2022 is no longer, but didn't we end? On an exceptional note, seeing Rafael Nadal take out his 21st Grand Slam, and Cutters, my prediction, Ash Barty, the Australian Open women's champion for 22. It was just an exceptional tournament and one I'll be gloating about for many a year. Cutters, how did you go with your predictions? Not great, Lightning, but as you know, I do put the time in and I, prior to this tournament, spent a couple of evenings meditating and reflecting on the pool of prospects and I had a vision of a charging Spanish bull in a field bucking against a silver trophy that to me looked like a women's trophy, hence I went with Paula Badosa, but little did I know I picked the wrong Spanish bull in the paddock and it was Rafa Nadal. So got to work on those hallucinogenics I'm taking before going into the trance in the future. Uh, similar medication that I take whenever I choose the dark horses from the deepest, darkest back paddocks of the farmyard. And for the men's, it was the Medvedevil. And for that, I say, well done, Cadders. Pat on the back, similar to Daniil himself, flawless tournament. <laughs> I wouldn't have chosen differently had I had my chance again. I think the match predictor, midway through the third set, had Rafa at 3% yes. chance of winning. So I'm quite unlucky. Crazy. And to think Cutters at two sets to love, at 3-2 and love 40, it was probably fair to join with Yegeny Kafelnikov in tweeting, it's over. <laughs> so I uh, think at that point, the uh, you know ready to cash in your chips, but uh, it wasn't to be. Cutters, we introduced a new segment in this show. It was the Carousel Horse 
Talk to us about who, for this Australian Open, will have taken out the crown of the carousel horse. Mm. Lightning, the idea being that I'm obviously a grandmaster in public relations and I can see spin Mm. from a mile away. So first week threw up a few good prospects to take home this mantle. However, the second week went gangbusters. We had a good effort from Arena Sabalenka after being attacked by the birds on Margaret Court (laughs) for what looked like a a Captain Birdseye commercial gone very wrong. She then went into press and just mentioned the fact that it was disappointing that she lost in a super super tiebreak. But the silver lining was that she felt... Having met Mark the Pooh Philippousis, her serve was back on track. And to that I say, that is never a highlight to take away that you have received some form of advice from the Pooh. If you're literally clutching the Pooh as your only souvenir from a tour down under, then you need to set your sights a little higher. That one will get stuck in customs on the way back, I can assure you. (laughs) Just ask Senor Sangren. But the ante was upped when our friend, the Medvedevil, took to the press conference after his heartbreaking final loss, where he started the session by saying, I'm not going to take any questions yet. I want to start by reading a statement I've prepared, which sounded compelling. You could have heard a pin drop where he started to tell a story about Well, I can't really tell you, Lightning, because I didn't understand half of what he was rabbiting on about. But what an incredible deflection tactic. It was something around a small 10-year-old child dying and the result being that he won't play warm-up tournaments and will only play in front of Russians in the future. And I don't really know about this child and why the child enjoyed losing to random Frenchman on the junior circuit and whether it was a vision, it seemed like some sort of unofficial Game of Thrones script, some (laughs) fan fiction that he'd concocted in a fit of desperation in the change room before going into press. But it worked a treat because it's one of the few times I've seen the entire press club hypnotized by one person. So when it did come to question time, it was really specific things relating to that bonkers story he just read out. So so when the child grew up, did they meet the dragon before or after they became a f- professional tennis player? Did you mention a sex orgy or was I imagining that? At one point, one of the journalists attempted to say, hang on, aren't you the guy that lost that Grand Slam 15 minutes before? We went, no, 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 the princess <laughs> flew in on the back of the dragon and <laughs> must surely be the official carousel horse. Catters, it's time to let our listeners go and to wrap this pot up. And we often do so by reminding our listeners to jump on our socials. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram with our handle of backhanders as someone did during the week. We posted up when a meme and we were stoked to see fans commenting, chatting, discussing the, the, the meme as we'd put out. And I want to pay homage to Novak Fans Against Hate who offered the following comment in response to someone who was disappointed at the meme we'd posted. And he defended us and said, nah, these guys are okay. They're not assholes. Something that could well become the name of this show 
He then said, they just make fun of everyone. I listened to their podcast. For me, Cutters, to learn during the week, a few things. One, that Novak Djokovic has fans. Two, that Novak Djokovic fans have values. Three, that they have wisdom and can describe us as not assholes. And four, that someone listens to this flippin' podcast. So for me, it was a week of revelation and we want to encourage every fan of Novak, every person out there to jump on our socials and engage with us and do just that. And to you yourselves learn that we are not assholes. <laughs> but it's time for us to leave you and you won't hear from us again until the next Grand Slam, indeed the French Open, when who knows Rafael Nadal could be going for Slam number 22. Of course, we await. But until then, just remember, if you are a parent who coaches, who wants to offer advice, even if you shouldn't, who's wanted, but not really wanted, <laughs> well, just remember to be quiet, please. 